Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 120. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, yes, collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help you on your path to becoming a physician. I repeated that word collaboration for a reason. And after you hear the conversation that I have with Ben, you will understand why. But before we jump into that interview, if you're struggling with the MCAT, like pretty much everybody does, go to freemcatgift.com and download our 30-plus page report to help you as you prepare to tackle the beast, which is the MCAT. So I want to introduce Ben. Ben is a pre-med student who emailed us out of the blue one day and said, hey, here's my story. I may be an interesting guest. And we get uh, quite a few of these, and Ben stuck out for a reason, and you'll find out why. But he's a non-traditional pre-med student who now has an acceptance to medical school, and he's got an amazing uh, journey to share, and uh, I hope you get a ton of great information out of it. You can go continue the conversation at medicalschoolhq.net slash 120 if you want to say hello to Ben or uh, leave us any questions or comments you want on that page when you go to it. So Ben, you you emailed Allison and myself through our, our contact page, and if you're listening and you want to contact us, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash contact, and you can do the same. But you emailed us, and, and it's interesting, in, in your email, you talked about this unorthodox path to medicine, and, and we can get into the, the nitty-gritty of it, but, but basically, you're a non-traditional student, and reading about your path, you're not very unlike a lot of students listening right now, and, and the fact that they... They are non-traditional. There are a lot of non-traditional students out there, like yourself. What, what, why do you think you were unorthodox? Um, the reason being is that I really 
never thought of myself as going into medicine or potentially being a physician, you know, from high school or even in college, you know, I probably didn't realize that it's what I wanted to do until I was probably 23 and I just graduated from undergrad. And, um, one of the reasons why I wrote into you guys was because I really had no idea at that time what to do. I didn't know any medical students. I didn't know anything about the path. So being a non-traditional and not knowing any other non-traditionals, it seemed like kind of a crazy notion at the time to pursue something like that. What, what was your first step in, in determining what to do? Well, first I looked up, you know, what were the classes I needed to take and if I had any already taken, um, which unfortunately I did not. I, of course, was starting from scratch, really. I had my degree, but I didn't take any of the classes that I needed, the sciences. Um, Then I I looked up what I need to do and then, you know, what was the closest school to me um, and which made the most sense. So I decided to go to a public school, which would save on the expenses a little bit. Um, compared to my private undergrad. And then I also happened to pick a a school that had a medical school attached to it. So I thought that seemed like the best bet. And uh, I enrolled in classes and away I went. So let's let's go back a little bit and talk about your your path into college. You had talked about not really knowing you wanted to be a physician until after you graduated or, or as you were graduating. What did you go to college to do? What was your grand scheme at that point? Um, being a 19-year-old freshman, I did not have a grand scheme at all. I had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, I I picked communication as a major kind of on a whim. Um, I really wasn't highly motivated to do well in classes. You know, I did okay, but I my focus was on just graduating and then worrying about everything else later. So I would say for the first couple of years there, um, as an undergrad, I didn't really have much of a direction. I was just kind of, you know, I think what a lot of kids fall into, they're just kind of in college because that's the next step, you know, along the way. Just because that's what you, that's what everyone does. So that's what you did. Yeah, exactly. And, and what was your first foray into medicine or the sciences or anything like that? Well, I was kind of, you know, I was struggling here and there in some classes. I was getting, you know, B, B minus, C plus kind of grades just going along. The perfect I, pre-med, right? Yeah, perfect. And then I took um, I took a biology class, which was an entry level kind of survey class. And I really liked it. And it was the first class I actually liked in college. And the first class I did really well in. And one of the subjects I was particularly drawn to were the medical subjects in the class, like cancer and um, some of the more uh, human biological type subjects in the class. I really like that. Um, so after doing well, I was talking to the professor and I asked him if he could sign me into an upper level course that he was teaching. And he obliged and signed me into a class on human disease. Um, I had no prereqs for it. I probably had no business being in the class, uh, but I loved it and did really well in that class too. And then that's kind of what started, you know, got me thinking, maybe I could do this. Maybe this is something I should pursue. Um, And then later on that year, I actually uh, dislocated my finger. And when I was seeing a doctor for it, you know, I I mentioned, you know, my my uh, emerging interest in medicine to him. And he was great. And he said, hey, if I can do anything for you, if you want to shadow me anytime, let me know. So it kind of started with that, and I started shadowing him, and 
shadowing as much as I could. So it, you're in biology class and you're 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 liking these subjects that it's talking about. What made you think about medicine? What what about nursing or being a biology teacher or all these other things that taking a biology course could lead to? What there had to be something else there that led you to medicine. Well, as I'm taking these classes, you know, I'm starting to think, you know, maybe I should think about a career at this point, something after college, something that I could actually do. Um, and then, you know, I was always an athlete growing up and I was injured all the time. So I was pretty familiar with, you know, the orthopedic side of things as I was always seeing those types of doctors. And it was, I thought back to it and it was pretty intriguing, that surgery aspect and uh, healing injuries and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I never thought about being a teacher. I was never passionate about that. And being a nurse really never entered my mind either. It was just, um, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Is that, that's really what my mind went to is, you know, what about being a physician? I think this, this might be pretty interesting. And as I shadowed, you know, I always knew I liked orthopedics and it kind of confirmed that I really liked it once I actually saw it from the inside. So no family members or any other exposure to physicians? No, no physicians, no nurses, no science people in my family at all. No healthcare, good. All right, so you are a very normal student at this point that that really has no advantages over anybody else on the pre-med path. Right. So, so you go, okay, this is cool, biology, I like it, but you you didn't immediately make that switch, why not? No, it took me a while to pull the trigger. Um, I did well in those two classes, but I was never a 4.0 student. I was never, uh, you know, school never came easy to me. So as I continued on in college, I was, it was really a matter of confidence. You know, I never thought of myself as like this genius student and taking all these tests and being, you know, extremely motivated and studying all the time, which, you know, as a pre-med and as a medical student, you obviously have to be, um, at least, you know, diligent with your studies. And I just, I never saw myself as that. So I really just never had the confidence to pull the trigger to do it. Um, but it was kind of lingered in the back of my mind because medicine was really the only thing that I was passionate about at that point. You know, I was um, I was seeing all these other career opportunities that my classmates were looking at and taking, and they seemed to be really interested in it. And they all just seemed just absolutely not interesting to me. I could never see myself doing it. But, you know, I would get up at six o'clock in the morning on my spring break to go shadow in the operating room. And I loved it. You know, I was never looking at the clock, you know, never looking to go home. Um, but I just, I, at that point I didn't see myself as capable or I didn't have the confidence in myself to actually go forward and pull the trigger on it. So I want to take a break here and talk about your shadowing experience. So I'm sure that, that, somebody's listening to this right now and and thinking there's there's this guy Ben who really wasn't pre-med wasn't totally committed to it yet somehow he found this ability to shadow in the operating room of all places and mm-hmm. and get that experience how did you go about it to to be able to get into the operating room to to pass all of the the barriers of entry um, I, I think I probably got pretty fortunate with the physician that I was seeing. Um, I was seeing him as a patient and after the exam was over, he asked me if I had any questions and I kind of told him I was interested in medicine and 
I would, you know, but I didn't have any experience, but I was, you know, curious about a couple things. And I asked him a couple questions about, you know, the path to get there. And he pretty much opened the door for me and, and said I could shout him if I, I wanted to. So I would say, you know, if just ask, you know, I, I just asked the right guy and he said, no problem. Come on in. And we exchanged emails and I shadowed him off and on for probably four years. Wow. That's awesome. And I'm sure he wrote an amazing letter of recommendation for you at that point too. Yeah. He, uh, he was definitely on top of my list to write my letters when the time came. What was the, the, the biggest thing that you think you did right when you were shadowing him? Um, well, I would probably say I tried to just be a sponge and absorb everything that I could. One of the cool things about him was he would kind of teach me along the way. So it's not, I wasn't just sitting there watching, not saying anything. He would, we would go through scans, you know, he would talk through exactly what he was doing. And I asked questions. I would say that's probably the best advice I could give would be regardless of what specialty you're seeing, just ask as many questions as you can. Um, ask questions on your way out, on your as soon as you get there, what they're doing, why they're doing it, and just try to absorb as much as you can. Awesome. So you, you're doing your shadowing. You graduate from college with a, a BA, right, in communications, I think? Yeah. So nowhere near, I, and it's really not nowhere near, because you, you, can, you can get into medical school with any degree, but you hadn't taken any of the prereqs at that point besides this biology course. Yeah, you decided at that point to kind of still push off medicine, even though you were still it, it was your passion, as you said earlier, and you were still fueling this passion by shadowing. Yeah. I, again, why did you decide to to not make that leap? Um, at that point, it was a mix of financial and the confidence issues. Once again, um, I just graduated from a private school. You know, I. I couldn't afford to stay at that private school another two years. So once I graduated, I kind of told myself, you know, I'll get out there, I'll get a job with my communication degree and I'll make a little bit of money and then I'll go back and take my classes. Um, unfortunately I was out of work for quite a while after I graduated. Um, but all the while I stayed, uh, I was interning actually at a large medical center and pretty much being an errand boy for no money. And uh, staying with a buddy of mine a couple of days a week to do that. Um, and then I eventually took a job, a sales job, where I could make a little bit of money. And after working at that job for one day, it was pretty clear to me, yeah, I'm definitely going back. Looked at the calendar. Okay, five months is when classes start. I'm out in five months. So, Yeah, that's awesome. So you... You graduate as as I'm sure many students at this point are graduating and and not finding jobs and going oh lord, you you start this job and you just want to get the heck out of there again. You you really didn't have that backbone, the resources of of having everything laid out for you. How were you going and getting this information? Um, well, I looked around at a couple universities, universities as options, and just the one that made sense, um, I looked up online. I saw they had a, an advisor for, I think they had a pre-medical advisor was her title, 
And I just emailed her and asked her a couple questions. You know, I want to go to medicine. I want to go into medicine and apply to medical school. I don't have any of the prereqs, but I want to go to your school, you know, not as not necessarily to get a degree, but just to take these classes. And, um, you know, what what should I do? And she was great in directing me through the whole process. And um, a year into my post back, they actually formally created a post back degree. So um, which they didn't even have when I started, I was just going to take the classes and go from there. So so you reached out and talked to a pre-med advisor. And that's Mm -hmm. I I can't stress how important that is to just reach out and talk to somebody. I, I one of the one of the most frequent pieces of advice that I give to students that email me or to members of of the academy is just pick up the phone or send an email and ask a question and and get the answer straight from the horse's mouth as the saying goes and and don't really beat around the bush or ask all of these other people that really don't know go ask the people that are in those positions to make the decisions and and get the answers so that's what you did and it it sounds like so you were doing a kind of a do it yourself post back because yeah. they didn't really it, it wasn't a formal post back and you chose that because of location and cost and everything right yeah location cost and that school uh, just happened out happened to have a medical school so I figured I would I would certainly be taking the right classes and be on the right path um, if I went there so that was a great decision yeah a, a amazing decision. So you had talked about confidence issues earlier and this thought that you really weren't a good student and you, you weren't going to be able to handle the course load or any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. How was it going back into a post-bac program? Because I think that's, that's a big fear for, for a lot of people is, okay, I've been out of college now. Obviously, you weren't out for too long, but mm-hmm. you were still out. You weren't a student anymore, living a normal, quote-unquote, normal life. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're jumping back into college life, taking classes. What was that like? And how did you get the confidence to, to do well? Uh, I'm not going to lie. It was pretty tough, especially early on. Um, you know, I, I remember the first class I ever went into it was an 8 a.m. class chemistry. I have never taken a chemistry class in my life. And the teacher says to all you know 300 of us in there, if you've never taken a chemistry class in high school, or, you know, any time prior, this is not the class for you. I remember that vividly and thinking, whoa, this is going to have to be the class for me because I have two years to do this, you know, so this is what I'm doing. Um, but it was tough. Uh, you know, confidence kind of came with getting thrown into the fire there and taking these classes. And it was, you know, it didn't come easy. You know, I definitely struggled early on after the first year. I really didn't do much better there than I did in my undergrad and I was working my butt off. I was it was definitely not for lack of effort. And and much better than your undergrad. We're talking below a 3.0. Right, and I was doing right on par with that still and that that was very difficult, you know, going especially going into that second year with the more advanced classes. What or who did you lean on for support at that point? And, and what advice would you have for somebody that, that jumps into that situation and doesn't do well either? Uh, well, at that point, you know, I definitely had that, that self-doubt creep back in. And I had to ask myself, you know, is, is this for you? Are you smart enough to handle this? But I, you know, I told myself, if you're, you decided to do this, so see it through, you're either going to, you know, let the, let everything fall where they may but um i just never wanted to say 
you know, what if, you know, I, I just wanted to finish it out. So I ended up doing a lot better the second year because of, uh, some friends that I made along the way in those classes. And they were actually all non-traditionals just like me. And, um, so we kind of helped each other through these things and studied together. And I, I didn't work any harder. I just kind of, I guess, worked smarter and worked with a group of people who all kind of shared the same goals, and that helped tremendously. Wait a minute. So you're saying collaboration with your enemies is <laughs> is is what worked and not competition. I, I think I've heard that saying before. Yeah, yeah. That was, I de- you know, the first year I definitely saw everybody as competition. Um, but once I got to know a couple of my classmates, and we're, you know, there's probably three of us, and we're all a little older and trying to go back into medicine and these guys two smartest guys I know and they were doing great and once we all started working together you know in labs and you know we took organic chemistry together over the summer and it just it worked great i think we all helped each other so you strategically surrounded yourself with great students who were doing well and it it picked you up and that just it reminds me of a, a quote by a uh, an author, I think he is, Jim Rohn, who says, you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. And so you surrounded yourself with awesome people and it made you awesome as well. Yeah, um, I, I think it's probably pretty telling. Uh, I think we're, we all competed with each other in class, you know, who could get the best grade on a test and we were pretty competitive guys. And I think the first test in organic chemistry, I think I got like a 92 and I was the lowest out of the three of us, and I was I was not very happy about it. So <laughs> if that tells you anything, that's awesome. A ninety two compared to what you were getting is is amazing, and that's awesome. And and it just reiterates. I, I say it at the beginning of every podcast episode: it's collaboration, not competition, in yeah. this journey. And do you know the status of these two guys? Did they get into medical school? Yeah, they're both accepted to medical school for next year. Awesome. So working together not only helped you, I'm sure it helped them, and all three of you have seats to medical school. Yep. Amazing. Just just let that sink in. For, for you yep. listening, It's you don't have to knock down that person sitting next to you. You're, you're in it together. There are plenty of seats, and it's, it's weird to say, but there are plenty of medical school seats for those that deserve it. And, yeah. and deserve it mean you have a, a good... MCAT score. It doesn't have to be amazing. You have a good MCAT score and you have good grades. You don't mm-hmm. have to be a perfect applicant. But there, are, when, you, when you look at the total number of students applying, there's students applying with, with scores that they just shouldn't be applying to medical school and they skew the numbers. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. So you, you surrounded yourself with awesome people. You started getting, I'm, I'm sure... Uh, a lot more encouragement and motivation to continue doing well. What what was the setup as as a non traditional in this kind of pseudo post back? How did you study for the MCAT? Did you use that same philosophy and study with these guys? Yeah, we all studied together. Um, the school I went to fortunately had a MCAT prep program that they set up that was um, pretty inexpensive compared to some others. So it was. Me and these guys I was working with, but we were probably in a class of around 12 people. And we met with um, uh, one of our instructors. They were all um, medical students at the university. 
second years. So that helped a lot. And we kind of picked their brains and we would meet twice a week um, in the evenings for, I think, three or four hours at a time. So that plus studying on my own, um, we got, you know, just uh, some this service that has, you know, all these books over various subjects. And we just kind of went at it and took practice tests and studied as much as we could. Awesome. What was the looking back as you're kind of on the tail end of the application cycle now? What was the the hardest thing during the application cycle that that maybe just snuck up on you or you kind of underestimated? Um, probably the time it would take to do everything. Um, filling out the application itself can be time consuming, but then you also have to figure out okay, what schools do I want to apply to? Um, and you know, where can I realistically get in? How many schools do I want to apply to? Do I want to apply MD or DO? Um, and then once you get that figured out, you, you think you're good, but then you get all these, you know, depending on how many schools you apply to, then you get all these secondaries and writing all these secondary applications can, can weigh on you. Cause they all seem to come in, they kind of come in waves. So that was I was just a professional essay writer there for probably about a month or two. Yeah, don't worry. You'll turn into a professional test taker soon enough. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so just a, just a lot of overwhelm with how much stuff there is. Oh, yeah. I, I, think, uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that students underestimate is, is oh, I'll, the application opens up next week. I'll, I'll start it when it opens, and I'll be done in a couple days, or I'll be done in a day. I'll, I'll dedicate uh, an afternoon to it. Oh, it's uh, there's so much that goes into it from references to, you know, letters of rec. And, you know, you really have to do your research on the schools you apply to because you may think you have all the prereqs. But this one particular school wants a certain prereq that you don't have. So then you're just kind of wasting your money applying there. So yep. there's a yep. lot that goes into it. But remember, and just to throw it out there. You can apply to a school without having all of their prereqs mm -hmm. as long as you get it done before matriculation. So that, that's a, a caveat there that a lot of students may not think about. Yeah. Awesome. So at this point, you apply, and you apply to a lot of schools. Mm -hmm. Why yes. so many schools? How many did you apply to, and why did you apply to so many? I applied to right around 30 schools which on both MD and DO, which is a ton. And um, the reason I applied to so many is, you know, maybe it goes back to that lack of confidence I've always kind of had with this whole situation. I wanted to maximize my chances to, to get an acceptance. Um, you know, I all these medical schools, of course, look at your grades and they all look at these things, but they all have different criteria on who they accept. So, you know, I I wasn't exactly sure where I would get in. I definitely didn't think I was a lock anywhere. So I just tried to kind of cast a wide net and see what would happen. What, after you applied and you're, you're on the interview trail, what do you think was your strongest asset being a non-traditional student on the interview trail? Um, I'd probably say my life experience. Um, you know, I wasn't a non-traditional in the sense that I had been, you know, out with a, a family and kids for 10 or 15 years. But I did have some life experience from the jobs that I had had and my shadowing and my interning and all these different medical um, medical centers and hospitals. 
So I'd probably say my ability to to convey that to my interviewers and, you know, if you can tell your story and make yourself more than just a GPA and an MCAT, then I think you're in pretty good shape. That's great advice. And I, th- I think that's, uh, again, one of these things that students underestimate is their uniqueness. Um, the, everybody or, or most students are still very traditional students. They they go to high school, they go to college, they they go to medical school, and, and somewhere in there they're they're doing shadowing and they're doing volunteering and and just because you do that doesn't mean you're not unique. It's it, yeah. I, I like there's a saying that that I can give you a bunch of ingredients for a recipe and not give you a recipe and give the give all of those same ingredients to ten people and get ten different dishes. So right. just just because all the ingredients are the same in all of these students, it doesn't mean they're coming out looking the same. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just something important to think about. And so that's that's great advice. So you're sitting here now with an acceptance to medical school after everything that you've been to, been right. through, not been to, been through. What does that feel like? Uh, it feels great. Um, when I first got that acceptance, I really wasn't sure. Uh, I didn't. The first time I knew, it, was, it really wasn't even a hard copy letter. It was this uh, just portal on the internet, and it was like, you know, accepted applicant. And you know, it wasn't anything official at that point, but I was pretty sure I was in. Uh, <laughs> but I was, I was elated, especially once I finally got that hard copy in the mail. Um, you know, all that hard work you put in, it, you know, it really does pay off. And from coming from a point where I. Certainly, you know, there was a part of me who really didn't think I was going to even get accepted, and to actually get that approval was was pretty amazing. Awesome. What are your plans between now and actually matriculating into medical school? Uh, not a whole lot, really. You know, it's funny. I look up some things. You know, what, how to prepare for med school? What should you do? And everything I see is don't do anything. <laughs> yep. You can't possibly prepare. It's going to all hit you. So. Um, so not a whole lot. I mean, I'm taking it easy. I am still trying to shadow and get some experience in there just because I enjoy doing it. Um, so other than that, um, I'm not doing a whole lot. So my biggest piece of advice for students in, in this situation is start building healthy habits. Mm-hmm. If you don't work out a lot, start working out and build that into a habit so that that when uh, – everything kind of hits the fan, you know that you can still rely on your habit and your routine of going to the gym and getting that stress release or or you know that your habit of going to bed at a certain time is still there or, or whatever it may be. Start building those healthy habits so that when you start medical school, you, you have some uh, uniformity in, in your routines. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. So... What is your number one go-to piece of advice as as you have made it out through the other end of this journey with a, a long journey still ahead? Unfortunately, <laughs> what, what is your advice to 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 Sally or Jane or Jessica or whoever is listening right now? And uh, what do you say to them? Uh, I probably say don't panic because there are going to be things along the way that are going to get you down. They're going to be ups. They're going to be downs. You know, I know there are tests that I studied for and put everything into that I did terrible on. And then there were tests that I studied and put everything into that I did great on. 
So you just kind of have to ride that wave and you're, and just make sure that your work ethic and your dedication is consistent and it will pan out. But, um, just don't panic. Don't, uh, don't get down on yourself. Just keep your eye on, on what your ultimate goal is and just keep working towards it. All right. That again was Ben, a non-traditional pre-med student who has made his way through the trials and tribulations of being a pre-med student or, or not being a pre-med student and realizing later in his career that he wants to go to medical school and what it took to get into medical school. And and part of his original message that he had shared with me through his emails talked about a lot of the discouragement that he that he received or read about on some of these other websites that you may know and and how he was able to kind of push that aside and 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 surround himself with these other students and collaborate with them and get the motivation and get the encouragement to to keep pushing forward even though not everything w- would go his way and and he knew that and he he pushed through as he talked about and just continued on and and now he has an acceptance to medical school. So he's he's got an acceptance to a DO school. He's got a wait list at an MD school and another DO school. And so just if you're out there and you're struggling and, and you're wondering if it's worth it or you're lacking confidence like Ben was, understand that it just it takes surrounding yourself with the right people. And you can do that uh, from from classmates that you're with. You can do that in, in places like the academy. You can do that anywhere, but you just you need to do it. So uh, thank you, Ben, for, for sharing your story, and, and I hope you are able to get a lot out of it. You can email us like Ben did. Go to medicalschoolhq.net slash contact, and you can shoot us an email there. Come say hi to us on Twitter. I'm at medicalschoolhq. Or... Uh, go leave us uh, a comment on the show notes page for this specific episode, medicalschoolhq.net slash 120 will leave us, uh, will take you to the show notes page specifically for this episode. And something I've been doing recently is having these episodes transcribed. So if you want to go read along with what you're listening to in the future, or you want to re-listen to this one, you can go to, to that page, medicalschoolhq.net slash 120, and read the transcript as you listen. So hopefully that will help you uh, as much as the audio is as well. So awesome. I hope you got a ton of great information out of this episode today. If you did, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Every rating, every review does uh, an amazing thing for us in iTunes, Apple ranks us higher in the iTunes library. I know not everybody listens on iTunes, but that is still the number one place for podcasts. So if you if you would, go take a minute and do that. And after that, just go join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters. <laughs>